It's an ordinary Monday for us here on Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening on this Monday, October 9th at 7 a.m. Thanks for being with us here on Covenant Network. Let's pray and then we'll talk about what's in store on the show today. We pray and begin our week in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we're going to hear about the month of the rosary in a talk from Dr. Mark Miravalle. Uh, we also have for you a homily on overcoming habitual sin by compunction. There's a word that we don't hear often anymore, compunction. And then uh, Bishop Thomas John Propaki of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois is going to be with us later in the show to talk about an exciting event coming up at the end of the month in the Diocese of Springfield. So when we say it's an ordinary Monday, oh, it's I suppose you could say it's an ordinary Monday here. No, I'll just I'll stop with that. Um, you, before we dive into the weather here, I just want to say if you've been following the news over the weekend, uh, I, I'm a little unsettled. I'm a little unsettled by what's broken out in the Holy Land with the fighting and uh, you know just the innocent lives lost, especially women and children, civilians. Um, I don't want to get too much into what's being done. I want to get into what you and I can do. And it's very tempting to go on our social media and change your profile picture. And I, not that I have anything against that or to type something, I, I stand against this or I stand against that. But how about prayer? How about we begin with the work of prayer? Saturday was the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. And if you remember your history about Our Lady of the Rosary, it's the anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto and Our Lady of Victory, Our Lady of Lepanto, all of the same title in which there was evil in the world seeking to destroy the good. And the Holy Father at the time said, we're going to pray the rosary. You know, that's, that's the most important thing we can do. He had an army, wasn't a big enough army, but he had an army of people praying the rosary, and that was a big enough army. And the Blessed Mother came through for what was good and what was right. And so I think of everything that unsettles us in the world, whether it's something that happens um, world, on the other side of the world, seemingly thousands of miles upon thousands of miles away, or if it's something happening in our own local community, if we're not starting with prayer, and I'm not saying to, to not take action, I'm just saying if we're not starting with prayer, what are we really doing? So that's just my, my thought this morning. Let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather, and then when we come back, we'll hear about the importance of the Holy Rosary. Today is the feast day of St. Dennis and Companions. Born in Italy in the 3rd century, Dennis was sent to convert the Gauls. With him were five other bishops who helped establish a mission on an island in the Seine near what would become Paris. This occurred during the reign of the Roman Emperor Decius, a vicious persecutor of the early church. Dennis and two of those with him, Rusticus and Eleutherius, were arrested and taken to Montmartre, the Mount of Martyrs, where they were beheaded. Dennis was buried in a small village north of Paris where in the 6th century, St. Genevieve had a basilica built 
over his tomb. St. Dennis and companions, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Anima Christi, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. Before we continue with our normal programming on the show this morning, I'd like to share with you something from the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. It's an inspiring story about someone you could say is just like me and then an invitation to follow in those footsteps with the upcoming Seek 24 conference. Let's give a listen. Jan Taranowski was an ordinary layman living in a time of cultural crisis in his native Poland. The Nazis had just invaded and they were sending priests and religious to concentration camps and systematically trying to wipe out the Catholic faith. What was Jan to do? Well, he didn't sit back and just say, well, I can't really do anything. He loved Jesus, wanted to pass that on to the next generation. So he formed a group of 15 university students. He invested deeply in them, trained them in the faith to go out and start groups of their own. That initial group of 15, one of them was a man named Karo Wojtyla, the man we know today as St. John Paul II. He wants you to be light to the world. There's a lot of talk today in the church about discipleship, missionary discipleship, evangelization, but practically, what does it really look like in ordinary daily life? What we wanna do in the Making Missionary Disciples track is take you into the heart of the church's vision for evangelization based on the model of Jesus Christ, who wanted to reach all humanity, but what did he do? He focused his time and attention on 12 men and then trained them to go out and reach others. So when we think about evangelization in our parishes, in our local communities, in the workplace, in our families, the real standard of success is not the numbers, it's the intensity of the flame in a core group of disciples who can then go out and spread that flame to others. After the Seek Conference, I remember coming back to the parish just like feeling so on fire, like just wanting to let everybody know about our amazing faith. And I felt like I experienced a piece of heaven while I was there. I think one of the most beautiful things about Seek is that our parishioners get a front row seat to the hope in the church. They see these college students who are on fire. They see lives changing before their eyes. I was going with my own parishioners. A lot of my work as a priest is to connect with my people. So simply going there with them helped uh, deepen that authentic friendship I could have with them. It's really been amazing to see the way God is working in the small group of women that I connected with so strongly at SEEK. It was important to us that we journey with each other, pray for each other, and challenge each other. The Making Missionary Disciples track at SEEK is really a gift to the church. The people I've spoken to that attended SEEK are going back to their parishes and they're saying, how do we get our church to be on fire in the way of what I saw at this conference? And they're doing it and we're seeing some just tremendous fruit. No matter where you are in your 
faith. There is content for you to hear. Helping our parishioners become disciple makers is an essential part of our mission. We're so blessed to be able to partner with some of the leading parish and diocesan catechetical experts in the country to build the Making Missionary Disciples track. People will come away with practical skills, tools, resources to implement in their parishes and in their home communities. The mission to evangelize is not just for the professionals in the church, the priests, the deacons, the religious. It is for every baptized Catholic. We are called to share the love and truth of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Catholic faith with everyone. The world may never have had a St. John Paul II if it wasn't for Jan Taranowski, an ordinary layman investing in others and training them to go reach more. If you're longing to go deeper in mission, if you're longing to raise up lay people who can go out and be a light in this world of darkness, come check out the Making Missionary Disciples track at SEEK. For more on that Making Missionary Disciples track, you can visit focus uh, or seek.focus.org. That's S-E-E-K, seek.focus.org. We're going to be there, and we're looking forward to seeing all of our listeners there that we get to run into as well. It's always a great time. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for the dead. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth. Your providence guides our lives and by your command we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. I pray in hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom, where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family, to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. We are happy to be joined today by Bishop Thomas John Paprocki of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. And I have to tell you, not only are we excited to have you here, Your Excellency, we are very excited for the upcoming Eucharistic Congress in the Diocese of Springfield on October 28th. And I'd love for our listeners to hear more about what's coming. Well, I'm very excited about it uh, also, and so are many people throughout our diocese. So we've been uh, promoting it throughout our parishes, and we've had a registration going on for several months now. And it's my understanding we have uh, several thousand people already signed up. We'll be at the Bank of Springfield Center on October 28th, uh, Saturday of, of this month. And um, it seats seven to 8,000 people, so we, uh, we hope to fill it. People can still sign up for it. Uh, we were doing registration through the parishes, but if uh, someone hasn't done that yet and they'd still like to come, they can do that through our diocesan website of uh, dio.org, and it's right there. The first thing on the banner is is a registration, but uh, um, we're asking people to pre-register because uh, we won't have walk-ins just coming in, so we want to have an idea how many people are coming. But we got a great day planned uh, for that, so uh, the doors will open actually at 10.30 a.m., at the Bank of Springfield Center in Springfield. And uh, so we'll have uh, a number of things that people can just, uh, even when they first get there or taking breaks, we're calling a Catholic uh, marketplace with a number of booths of different uh, Catholic organizations that will be there uh, sort of promoting whatever it is their uh, work that they're doing. And then at 11 a.m. we'll start with Eucharistic Adoration and Confession. Uh, that'll be available on the, on the lower end. And then again, 3.30 uh, p.m., 
And then at 11.30, we're going to do the screening of a documentary uh, that we've had it out for a while already. It's called God is Alive, and it's some stories of incredible faith and miraculous events in central Illinois. And they're just very um, powerful stories. Uh, one of them, for example, is the story of the, the young man in uh, Peoria who uh, has, he stopped breathing when he was born and uh, was uh, about to be declared brain dead, you know, and uh, hadn't, hadn't been breathing for about an hour. And uh, they prayed to uh, Fulton Sheen, Bishop, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and uh, and the young man uh, is is uh, alive and doing well today. So stories like that, if people haven't seen that, we'll have it on a, a big screen for people to see that. And then um, we have some uh, featured speakers that day. We have uh, Dr. Scott Hahn will be speaking at 12:50, and Dr. Hahn is uh, a well-known now a Catholic theologian, formerly a Protestant pastor, who he and his wife came to the Catholic Church, and he's now uh, teaching at uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville, a well-known writer and author and, and a very accomplished speaker. So we're, he's, he's be the main uh, speaker of that day. And then we've um, got another video that we're going to show at 150. It's called The Chair. And that's actually... Um, a series uh, that's been produced about the cathedrals. The uh, word cathedral comes from the uh, word cathedra, which means chair. It's the bishop's chair. And so this was um, a series of videos that were made about the different cathedrals throughout the country. And uh, so it's a very fine uh, feature of our Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Springfield. It tells a little bit of the history of that cathedral and uh, my journey to Springfield coming from when I was auxiliary bishop in Chicago and then coming to Springfield in, in 2010. And actually, that's one of the main reasons for this big event. We're celebrating 100 years since our diocese was transferred from Alton, Illinois, to Springfield in 1923. Bishop James Griffin was the first bishop and then began building the cathedral, our current cathedral, which uh, was then dedicated in 1928. So we'll be looking forward to that centennial uh, five years from now. And um, then a few more speakers. We'll have a 2.30, Father Chase Hilgenbrink. Uh, Father Hilgenbrink is the um, vocation director in the, uh, the Diocese of uh, Peoria, and um, he will uh, be followed by Father uh, Dennis Robinson, who is the rector of um, uh, St. Meinrad Seminary in uh, Indiana, and then Sister Carolyn, who is the vocation director for the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. So they all have uh, very interesting stories. Father Chase, for example, was uh, a professional soccer player uh, before he... Uh, he just quit. He was playing for the New England uh, Revolution, playing professional soccer, and felt the call to be a priest. So he's got a very, very inspiring story as well. And then that all culminates with this big uh, Eucharistic celebration. We'll have Mass at 4 o'clock. I'll be the main celebrant, and I've invited all the, the priests to kind of celebrate with me. In fact, I've asked them not to schedule any Saturday evening Masses in their parishes or weddings that day, so hopefully uh, they'll, uh, we'll have a nice turnout, everybody, to, for this big, big celebration. Now, I have heard that you wrote to the Holy See and have received permission to offer, is, is it the papal blessing? Yes. In, in an opportunity for an indulgence for those who attend? Yes, actually, uh, there were uh, uh, two different indulgences that were granted. One is an ongoing one. Uh, that is uh, for anyone who visits either our previous cathedral in Alton, St. Peter and Paul Church, which is still there, or our current cathedral, Immaculate Conception in Springfield. So anyone that, that comes, makes a pilgrimage to either our old cathedral in Alton or our current cathedral in Springfield and does the usual prayers for the Holy Father, confession, communion, uh, can receive a plenary indulgence. But then I got a special indulgence just for um, 
one occasion of my choosing uh, through sometime during this uh, centennial year. And I figured, well, this is the biggest crowd that we're going to have uh, during the centennial year. So I, I am designating uh, this Mass uh, at the Bank of Springfield Center. So anyone that comes uh, to that Mass, uh, at the end of the Mass, I'll, I've been authorized to give what's called a papal blessing or an apostolic blessing under the usual conditions, so confession, communion. So as I mentioned earlier, we'll have confession opportunities that day, so people can go that day. Or Usually the uh, understanding is within a week before or after, so if, if they've gone to confession earlier that week or plan to later in the week, that's fine too. Uh, and then receive that plenary indulgence, which is a full remission of all temporal punishment. And just a word to uh, explain that a little bit, because uh, some people are sometimes confused. I say, well, I, th I thought my sins were forgiven in, in confession, and they are. And this is not the same thing as going to confession. So you go to confession to have your sins forgiven, but then, in a sense, we still have to make up for it uh, to, to God. We, owe, we still owe God something. The best example, the easiest one to understand is if you've confessed the sin of stealing. You know, and so we confess that sin, and our, that sin is forgiven immediately, but we still have a moral obligation to give back whatever it was that we stole. We can't say, well, I, I stole uh, $100, and I confessed it, and it's forgiven, but I can keep the $100. No, <laughs> you got to give the $100 back. And so it's like with, with any sin, we still kind of owe God a debt, and uh, that's what purgatory is all about, and that's why we pray for the souls in purgatory. And uh, so someone who has uh, received a plenary indulgence— uh, if they die, they go straight to heaven. Wow. Now, I know the, the Church, you know, Holy Mother Church in her mercy does not ask us to do anything that's impossible to do, but one of the areas that my scrupulous mind sometimes gets hung up is the idea that we have to be free from detachment to sin, and uh, th that one is always a little tricky. And what exactly does that mean? And every time I've been asked, I stumble when I try to give an answer. But I wonder if you might just share an encouragement for those who, you know, like myself sometimes say, well, as much as I'm trying to break these habits to be rid of these vices, uh, you know, perhaps you struggle with gluttony. Maybe it's been a couple of weeks since you've had the, all of those cookies, but you still, every time you see a cookie, you're like, oh, I want to eat a whole package of yeah. cookies. What does it mean to be detached from sin in the, in the context of this indulgence opportunity? Well, I think it goes to the question of uh, intention. That's always very important, to, even in the sacrament of uh, reconciliation, to confess our sins it requires repentance. We have to be sorry for our sins, but there we also have this expression to have a firm purpose of amendment, and that means I'm going to amend my life. It's not just some I'm coming here like a car wash to uh, you know get cleaned up and then uh, y'all get dirty again and come back and get through the car wash again. It's, no, it's like I'm turning away from sin, and I really have a firm intention not to commit this sin again. And uh, now that's not to say that we out of weakness or whatever, that we won't sin again. We're sinful people. So uh, this idea also attached then to the indulgence, uh, not to have any attachment to sin, is the idea that, all right, I'm, I'm asking for a plenary indulgence, which means I want all the temporal punishment forgiven. And as I said, if, if you die in that state, you go straight to heaven. So our intention should be, I don't want, I don't want to get near sin again, because if I do, that means I'm going to have to stop in purgatory before I get to heaven. I have to make up for that that sin, or heaven forbid that it be a mortal sin. Uh, and then then you don't even go to purgatory, yeah. you go to hell. That's even worse. That's we we the, know yeah, how that we, ending we, happens. We, we, that's not a good ending. So I think it's, no, it's, not, it's not to say that 
uh, from now on I'm going to be a perfect human being because nobody's perfect, you know, and I think we have to also at the same time acknowledge that, all right, even with the best of intentions, sometimes we're going to be weak and sometimes we're going to be, we may fall. But I think it's a question of intentionality. We don't want to say, well, I'm going to get this plenary indulgence, uh, but I, I still tomorrow I have this plan to do something sinful. No, you get the plenary indulgence now. I want to live this way. I want to be in the state of grace for as long as I possibly can. So perhaps if a man uh, struggles, you know, he sees a beautiful woman walking by and for a moment his eyes are are captivated by her beauty. And he doesn't mean to think that way. He doesn't mean to look at her in that way. He just doesn't. He catches himself and says, no, I don't want to do this. That would be perhaps an example of of that detachment. It's not that he intended to look at her in that way. And as soon as he realized what he was doing, he said, stop and left the situation, I suppose. Right. So, I mean, for someone, for example, maybe who unfortunately has the habit of looking at pornography, and uh, would say, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry for that, I confessed it, and, and now I, I want to receive a plenary indulgence. For that person to say, for example, that, all right, I'm sorry for this sin, but in the back of his mind thinking, well, when I get home and I can get to my computer screen right. or my cell phone, I'm going to go back to that pornography. No, he should be thinking, I'm really sorry for this. I don't want to do that again. And yeah. I, I know I'm weak, God, but please give me the grace so that I won't do it again. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the sacrament of reconciliation is when we ask for that grace, he does supply it to right. say, I'm going to help you as long as you keep trusting in me and coming back to me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is beautiful. Uh, October 28th, and it's an all-day affair. We Covenant Network's going to be there. We're going to be doing some broadcasting live from the Eucharistic Congress, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we, we've got some fantastic guests lined up to speak with throughout the afternoon during some of the break times. And Your Excellency, it promises to be a wonderful day. I can only imagine that when several thousand people of faith gather together to celebrate our Lord in the Eucharist during this time of Eucharistic revival, the, the grace will be flowing abundantly at this event. I think that will be very powerful uh, because it will also be uplifting and inspiring for the uh, people that are in attendance. You know, we have we have many small parishes, and a lot of times, uh, you know, there may only be uh, a few uh, dozen people at, at some of our smaller parishes. And so to, to come to a venue like this where you see thousands of people that share the faith uh, our Lord established a church precisely as a community because I think he, he recognized that we need to strengthen each other in the faith, that it's hard to go it alone. And so having thousands of people there uh, together I think will be very inspirational. So again, if, if people haven't signed up, uh, just our diocesan website is www.dio.org, D-I-O.org. All right. Your Excellency, before we go to the break here, could I ask you to lead us in a prayer for Eucharistic revival? Absolutely. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for the graces that you shower upon us. We thank you especially for the grace of the Holy Eucharist by which you share your Son Jesus with us as he comes into our heart every time we receive Holy Communion. We ask your blessings upon our Eucharistic Congress that it may be a time of reviving devotion to the Eucharist, understanding of the Eucharist, and also people's practice of the faith in going to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. So bless all of those who are listening and all those who intend to come to our Congress in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. O Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God, and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day. 
by that grief which you severed on Calvary, when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross, obtain for me a happy death, that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. It is another new week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and in this month of October, Patty Schneier is starting us off reflecting upon the rosary. Last week, we reflected upon the joyful mysteries. This week, we are going to dive into the sorrowful mysteries. And Patty, once again, I'm excited to find out what this week holds in store. Well, we're going to spend the second week on the rosary, unpack the sorrowful mysteries. Now, I know there are a million ways to pray the rosary and a million reflections written by countless holy men and women. And that's what I love about the rosary. At different stages in your life, you may pray it in a different way. And in discovering new meditations, your rosary can take on new meaning in your life. So this week, I want to share with you the very first meditations I ever read on the rosary. These are the meditations that made me fall in love with the rosary. I was given a little paper booklet by my sister-in-law, Diane, back in 2002, when I stayed in her home in Minnesota for months to help her with her two young children as her husband was dying of colon cancer. She prayed the rosary every night with Tom, and we were praying it together at his bedside when he died. This little paper booklet is so worn and torn. I did a makeshift laminating job with clear packing tape over 20 years ago, but I still have it, and these meditations still give me pause. So I want to share with you these meditations on the sorrowful mysteries. The first one today, the agony in the garden. Here's the meditation. It's Mary's message to us. In his anguish, Jesus prayed with all the greater intensity. In this sorrowful episode, Jesus shows you why the greater your physical or emotional distress, the more earnest should be your prayer. God will not guarantee to remove your burden, but he will surely grant you at least the comfort, courage, and strength to endure. And then there's a prayer with each one, a little prayer. Here it is. Dear Blessed Mother, Kindly teach me to give prayer a major place in my life. Guide me in the ways of that humble, confident, persevering prayer that links God's strength to my weakness. And may I translate my belief into action and pray with greater fervor when my days are beset with difficulties. Amen. So who do you know that is in agony today? Let's pray one bead for someone you know, each bead for someone in agony, that they will turn to prayer and gain the strength that they need. It's a beautiful reflection for us today and a wonderful call to action for our prayer of the sorrowful mysteries this week. Patty, thank you for today's encouragement. Well, as we wrap up today on the show, we want to remind you about a couple of the things you've heard about today. First off, the SEEK conference, which is coming up January 1st through 5th. 
You can find more information on that at seek.focus.org. And if you are not a college student or a young adult, it's still for you. There's the Making Missionary Discipleship Track, and you can find more information about that either by uh, hitting the Learn More or the Registration button. It doesn't you know, make you register right away. It'll help you choose which track would be more appropriate for you. And like I say, for all the adults, the Making Missionary Discipleship Track. If you want to skip straight to that, just go to seek.focus.org slash MMD, MMD as in Making Missionary Disciples. Coming up first, though, is the Eucharistic Congress in the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. And for more information on that, you can go to dio.org. That's D-I-O dot O-R-G. It's going to be a fantastic day. And if you're going to be there, please stop by and say hello. I'm very much looking forward to being at the Congress that day and meeting as many of you as possible. And we will be broadcasting throughout the day there so it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for all of us. And, uh, you know, th- this radio station was founded mainly because of prayers answered before the Blessed Sacrament. You know, I, I would say pretty much without that time spent before the Blessed Sacrament, we wouldn't be here today. So we're very grateful to our Lord and for his presence among us. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, all this good stuff today, we didn't even have a moment to talk about one of my favorite saints, St. John Henry Newman, who we celebrate today. So if you have a chance, go look him up. He's a fantastic saint, and uh, I think you are going to like him as much as I do as well. He's just one of the ones we celebrate today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and pray your rosary today.